Welcome to the Message Podcast from Church of the Nazarene. We invite you to subscribe for updates and new episodes. You can find us on most major podcast outlets. Visit cotnaz.org for more info. Our worship services stream weekly on Sundays at 9 a.m. on YouTube and Facebook Live. You can also find our live stream at cotnaz.org. Our in-person service times are 9 and 10.30 a.m. We have a campus near Harrisonburg at 1871 Boyers Road. We also have a campus in East Rockingham at 414 South East Side Highway in Elkton. In addition, our Spanish-speaking campus meets on Sundays at 11.45 a.m. at that same 1871 Boyers Road location. Check out our website, cotnas.org, for more info. Uh, as we transition into the uh, teaching portion today, I have a question that I'd love to begin with to get our minds processing and thinking in this direction. Uh, if I were to ask you today, in your life, in your story, uh, maybe w- what do you think the biggest enemy or the biggest challenge facing Christians today would be? What would you say? Like what comes to your mind as you think about a challenge or an enemy facing Christians today in 2023? Um, yeah. Media. Yeah. I thought, as I tried to answer that, I thought secularization, uh, you know, the onslaught of stuff coming through these things, um, you know, the 24-7 news cycle, you know, always a constant drip. Like, there's so many things, like, that's, that's where my mind went. We actually had the opportunity to pose this question to a professional counselor here in Harrisonburg. We thought that it would be helpful uh, to hear from a person who has walked with hundreds of men and women through the challenge and dark circumstances of life. And to be honest, we were expecting a list from him. We were expecting, you know, the top ten that he would provide us with of challenges. But in fact, he gave one immediate answer. And that answer was really only one word. What do you think the biggest enemy facing Christians today, he said, isolation. Isolation. Now, this was pre-pandemic. How much more so do you think that would be true today? His conclusion was that the greatest threat to the believer and perhaps the most powerful weapon of the enemy is to separate you out, to get you alone, or even just thinking you are alone so that you will retreat in your pain. And once you're there, Loneliness is allowed to feed on itself and despair darkens. So church family, what if today one of the greatest stands we could take against the enemy in our lives is to cultivate God-honoring relationships? Friends, that's what our teaching series is all about. It's focused on God-honoring relationships that are an offensive attack against the enemy of our souls. I want to welcome you back to our teaching series, Relationship Keys. Relationship Keys. Throughout this series, we're committed to seeing God's emphasis on the importance of our relationships uh, with family, with members of the church, with our coworkers, our community, and our friends. We, we want to understand and grow in these important God-honoring relationships of all kinds. While relationships, yes, are a, a life-giving safeguard against the enemy, they can also be hard challenging, frustrating. But friends, regardless of how relationships might feel, they matter. 
They, they matter to God, they, they matter to others, and they most certainly matter to you and to me. Last week, we, we began our series uh, with perhaps one of the most important foundational keys in God-honoring relationships and understanding and growing those relationships, and that was selflessness and sacrifice. Selflessness and sacrifice. We wrestled with four challenging words for our relationships. It's not about me. Hard words, right? Hard words. You see, because we recognize that there is a a tension that we are are often self-focused. We want what we want. We expect others to care about our needs and wants first. But that's not the way Jesus modeled his life. Jesus modeled for us a laid-down life. And so the first key to healthy and God-honoring relationships is to take the courageous step and declare in our relationships, it's not about me. It's not about me. As we continue today, we're going to develop on that idea a little bit and take another step in our relationships. Our relationship key today is the key of empathy. The key of empathy. You see, empathy uh, acts on, it takes a step of action on that attitude and heart posture of selflessness and sacrifice. Part of growing God-honoring relationships is to feel what others are feeling, to walk a mile in their shoes, as the saying goes, and to have a response of compassion. It's the essence of empathy. Put yourself in someone else's shoes, journey with them, and respond in compassion. To share with others at a heart level, a heart level experience. So often in our relationships, we can, we can offer our sorrow We might offer our prayers or just the right articulation of emojis in our text, right? We might offer those things, but so many times we don't go beyond. We don't go deeper. We don't engage with what that other person is feeling in that moment. We don't act. We don't offer ourselves. But you see, the call to empathy, the call to God-honoring relationships goes beyond sympathy, beyond the right set of emojis and well wishes to a heartfelt and compassionate response to others in relationship. To be vulnerable and feel what others are feeling. To take action to give something of ourselves to connect with the other person in that moment. To engage in relationships this way is is really to follow the way of Jesus. Uh, In Matthew 9, in his gospel there, uh, coming out of the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus has performed many miracles, and the crowds are beginning to come, and and Jesus sees that they're they're, uh, Helpless and harassed, the the word says. And it says he didn't just have pity on them. He didn't just feel sorry. He felt their plight at a heart level. Matthew 9, 36 says when he saw the crowds coming, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. You see, Jesus in his life, he took the courageous and the vulnerable step to feel what others were feeling. And friends, that's the call for followers of Jesus today in our relationships. The key of empathy. 
Turn with me to our teaching text today in Colossians chapter 3 because uh, this idea of empathy and feeling with others is not just uh, the, the way Jesus taught and the way he lived. No, the, the writers of Scripture pick this idea up throughout uh, the New Testament and the Old. But today we're going to join the Apostle Paul writing to believers there in Coloss, and uh, it'll be the beginning of verse 12. He says, Therefore, as God's chosen people, As God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. Over all these virtues, put on love which binds them all together in perfect unity. You begin to see that this idea of a relationship key ring is not a new idea. Paul here is writing to believers and he's he's unpacking God-honoring relationships in light of their relationship with Christ Jesus. Did did you catch his first key? You see, he's been making the case earlier in the letter uh, that in light of the new life of Christ that the believers have found that they're to live radically different that they're to get rid of the way they used to live, to throw off the old things like uh, anger and greed and sexual immorality and impurity, all that stuff. He says, cast it off, get rid of it. You are new in Christ Jesus. You have a new life to live in Him. And, And when he is ready to begin in the positive light to tell believers how they should live, to show them the way of Jesus, he begins with relationship. He begins with relationship. Let's look at verse 12 again. He says, therefore, and so he's looking back in light of this uh, uh, newfound life in Christ. He says, therefore, as God's chosen people, as Christians, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Paul's first relationship key here is to clothe yourself with compassion. Now, translations Uh, vary a lot here. Uh, Some might say, uh, be sympathetic or have heartfelt compassion for others. Or I like the old King James, it says, bowels of mercy. It's like, what? Bowels of mercy. But you see, what the translators are are trying to get to here uh, is that it's not just a kind response that we're to offer in relationship. Uh, It's not a smile and and nod until they leave you alone. Introverts, I got you in the room, okay? It's not just a smile and nod till they leave you alone, but it's a compassionate response of love from deep within our being. Deep within. It's something you feel in your gut. And friends, that level of connection, that level of relationship is the first thing Paul wants Christians to understand in how they're to relate to one another. Even the people they disagree with. Man, he could have left that one out, right? Even the people that we disagree with, the invitation to relationship is to feel with another person. In honor of the Super Bowl today, I just want to call a timeout. Thanks for being kind. I, you know, thanks. But let's call a timeout. Because I know when I began to unpack this, this message this week, I had to go through to the dictionary via Google. Because we have a lot of terms in relationship, Right? And there's a lot of overlap because we tend to use things uh, or terms like sympathy or empathy or compassion. We we tend to use those overlapping in a shared way, but they are different. 
They are different. Uh, so I, I found a clip today uh, through YouTube that really helps unpack the idea, the difference, if you will, between sympathy and empathy. And I think this will begin to help us to see uh, what God is calling for, what the writers of Scripture are calling for in our relationships. So let's watch uh, empathy versus sympathy. So what is empathy and why is it very different than sympathy? Empathy fuels connection. Sympathy drives disconnection. Empathy, it's very interesting. Teresa Wiseman is a nursing scholar who studied professions, very diverse professions where empathy is relevant and came up with four qualities of empathy. Perspective taking, the ability to take the perspective of another person or, or recognize their perspective as their truth. Staying out of judgment, not easy when you enjoy it as much as most of us do. <laughs> Recognizing emotion in other people and then communicating that. Empathy is feeling with people. And to me, I always think of empathy as this kind of sacred space when someone's kind of in a deep hole and they shout out from the bottom and they say, I'm stuck, it's dark, I'm overwhelmed. And then we look and we say, hey, and climb down. I know what it's like down here, and you're not alone. Sympathy is, ooh, <laughs> it's bad, uh-huh. <laughs> uh, no, you want a sandwich? <laughs> um, empathy is a choice, and it's a vulnerable choice, because in order to connect with you, I have to connect with something in myself that knows that feeling. Rarely, if ever, does an empathic response begin with at least I had a yeah and we do it all the time because you know what someone just shared something with us that's incredibly painful and we're trying to silver lining it I don't think that's a verb but I'm using it as one we're trying to put the silver lining around it so I had a miscarriage oh, at least you know you can get pregnant I think my marriage is falling apart at least you have a marriage <laughs> John's getting kicked out of school. At least Sarah is an A student. But one of the things we do sometimes in the face of very difficult conversations is we try to make things better. If I share something with you that's very difficult, I'd rather you say, I don't even know what to say right now. I'm just so glad you told me. Because the truth is, rarely can a response make something better. What makes something better is connection. Make something better is connection. Empathy is a sacred space that fuels connection where sympathy drives disconnection. Sympathy keeps a safe and comfortable distance, but empathy has the courage to get close. Someone approaches you and says, uh, my, my loved one just passed away. Sympathy responds, oh, I, I'm sorry. A at least they're in a better place. There's that at least. Perhaps someone would say, I, I just lost my job. Oh, well, bless your heart. You see, I, I think often our, our responses of sympathy are a way of saying something while avoiding or keeping a safe distance from the messiness of feeling what the other person is feeling. Um, nope. <laughs> Would you like a sandwich instead? 
You see, sympathy is like building a wall of self-preservation. But that's not relationship. That's not following the model of Jesus in the laid down life. When when Jesus' friend Lazarus died, uh, Jesus didn't say to Mary and Martha, what's the big deal? Chill out, I'm going to raise him anyway. No, what, what did Jesus do in that moment, the shortest verse of Scripture in all of Scripture? Jesus wept. He was willing, even though he knew what was coming, he was willing to sit in that sacred space with them and grieve and weep. You see, in our relationships, when busyness gets in the way or even an unwillingness to trouble ourselves with what others are feeling or we settle for sympathy, you see, in those moments, we're missing an opportunity to extend God's compassionate care to others in our relationships. And I think that's the essence of of why empathy is so important. It's that uh, empathy is a key uh, in God-honoring relationships because it will open a doorway of God's grace and his compassion to flow through us in relationship with others. Sympathy builds a wall, and empathy opens the door for grace and mercy and healing to happen. Empathy. And friends, that takes courage. It takes vulnerability and it takes time. It it takes a commitment to being compassionate in the messy and frustrating things of life. There's a story of the late Colonel Sanders of Kentucky Fried Chicken. Please hold your fried chicken preacher jokes till after the service. Uh, There's a story about Colonel Sanders. Uh, He's on an airplane uh, and and there's an infant present that that is just screaming uh, uncontrollably, inconsolable. The parents had tried everything they could do. The flight attendants had tried everything they could do. Well, finally, uh, the colonel, he gets up and takes the baby into his arms. And he begins to, to rock the baby back and forth and ultimately rocks the baby to sleep. Later, a passenger approached him and said, Oh, we all appreciate what you did for us. Colonel Sanders turned and looked at that person and said, I didn't do it for us. I did it for the baby. You see, that's empathy. The call of godly relationship uh, is so that others can experience the love and the compassion that we have experienced in Christ. Within a message in relationships and especially about empathy, I recognize that we're talking an awful lot about feelings. And I'm sure that's what you were secretly hoping for today. But it's important. It's important. Uh, You might even be asking like, okay, fine, I get the importance of relationships, but why the emphasis on feelings and compassion? Like why that focus? Or you might even have the honest question of like, why would I put myself through that? Look, that's just real, okay? That's just real. You might be wondering like, how does this whole thing relate to me following Jesus? These are great questions. They're great questions. Jesus, in, in his ministry... Uh, he was often asked questions like that, you know, trying to get a little more clarity, trying to understand, trying to unpack a little bit what he was saying. There was once a teacher of the law that approached him and, and wanted to know, uh, he wanted to know what Jesus thought must be done, like what kind of life do I need to live to kind of meet the standard, to inherit eternal life? What do I got to do, right? Well, the man knew the answer. He gave a great answer. He said, well, I believe you got to you know, love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. 
But you see, the man wanted a little more clarity on just what it meant to love your neighbor as yourself. And as Jesus began to unpack that, he told a story. He told a story. We find that story in Luke chapter 10, beginning in verse 30. Very familiar passage. In reply to this man's inquiry, Jesus said, A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he was attacked by robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, they beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be coming down the road, and when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So too, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him. You see, we need to unpack this idea of he took pity on him because it's not our idea of a faraway, pitiful response. No, that Greek word there is in the same family of compassion that Jesus demonstrated, that Paul commanded. The man uh, on the road had a heartfelt, a gut-level response, a gut-level connection with the man who had been beaten and left for dead. He had compassion on him. He felt in that moment. It says he went to him and bandaged his wounds. Here's the response, you see. Pouring on oil and wine, and then he put the man on his own donkey, brought him to an inn and took care of him. The, the next day he took two denarii, two days' wages, and gave them to the innkeeper and said, look after him. Look after him, and, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. You see, in this moment, empathy cost this man. And he was willing to go in debt to see compassion come to the man who had been left for dead. Jesus looked again to the teacher law and said, Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of robbers? The expert in the law replied, The one who had mercy on him. You see... To, to show what God-honoring love looked like, Jesus told a story about empathy and compassion. And to demonstrate just how far that was to go, he told a story about a compassionate Samaritan. And in 30 AD, that would have blown your hair back because Samaritans were the outsiders. They were uh, looked down upon by the Jewish people, but yet that's who was framed in the story as getting it right. And so what we see there is that the call to empathy, the call to compassion, goes beyond the barriers of our thinking. It goes beyond our comfort zones and reaches those in need. So why a message about feelings and, and compassionate acts towards others? Friends, quite simply, it's the way that Jesus has taught his followers to love. It's what he says to do. What he says to do. It's, it's how he's shown us through his life, and it's how his word is teaching us to love others. And I, I want to be the first to admit today that, that this ain't easy. I, I, I need the grace and mercy of God in me every day to even come close to loving this way. Because it's hard. It's hard. You see, engaging uh, 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 relationships with, with empathy are, are going to mean that on some days you're having a perfectly normal day at work. Everything's cool at school. You might be out on the lake. The fish might be biting you. And somebody's going to call you 
in crisis. And in that moment, the empathetic response, you're going to feel their pain on the boat or in the workplace or in the school. Empathy is going to cost you. So friends, we need to have boundaries. We need to be healthy and holistic in our relationship. But we can't run away from the way that Jesus has called us to love. We must live in that tension and seek his guidance. Seek the power of his presence to love as he would have us to love. can't shy away from it. You see, because it's through empathy that we can open the door to God's compassion and grace. We can build a bridge of connection instead of a wall of separation. And that connection might be transformative. It might be life-giving. That's the kind of response that Maury Bellinger found at her school. Uh, This story just illustrates beautifully the the power of connection, of giving of yourself to, to make connection with another. Just watch the power and the beauty of this story. Okay, now we're gonna go on to our last story. This one is about some kids who showed a huge amount of empathy and compassion for a deaf student in their school. Take a look. Ready for cookies? Six-year-old Maury Belanger has a severe hearing impairment, but she's also very much a typical kid. <laughs> which is why. Hi, bye. When it came time for kindergarten, her parents, Shannon and Matt, were torn. Send her to a school for the deaf? Yeah, eggs. Or to the public okay, school here in Dayton, Maine, which was close and convenient. Okay. Unfortunately, at the public school, there weren't any other kids like Maury, and support was minimal. You always think of the bad things, like, you know, are they going to make fun of her or... Her fitting in. Um, thankfully, we made the right choice. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you can guess what they decided. Or can you? Believe it or not, this is Dayton Consolidated Elementary, the public school, where talking like Maury has become all the rage. Can I talk to Kids here at Dayton have learned multiple things of sign language, so like door, window, carrot, quiet, funny, sad. What's that? That's not a sign. I like to do it. (laughs) I like to do it too, but it's not a sign. (laughs) Obviously, they're not fluent yet, but about a third of the kids here know enough to navigate a kindergarten conversation. Like when Maury didn't notice the line was moving. The girl in the pink told her to walk followed by the universal sign for, way to go, Maury. And it's not like the administration is mandating this. There is no sign language curriculum. This is bottom-up kindness. Students motivated by nothing more than their own deep desire to connect with this one little girl. What they know, they learn mostly from posters, books, watching Maury's aid, and teaching each other. They want to do as much as they can for her. We want her to feel comfortable and safe and be able to kind of make friends with her. It's like if you got a gift basket. That's what she is, a little gift basket. Flowers and chocolate. Just a little (laughs) bundle of joy. Eventually, Maury's parents say their daughter may need more support services. But they believe all she needs now is what she has here, a loving community. 
to know that people just accept her for how she is. She's just going to succeed because of being at that school. There are signs of that already. Empathy. <laughs> Connection. This, the support of connection. See, empathy is bottom-up kindness. Connection that builds community. Offers strength together. Will that be us? Will that be us? Will that be you and your relationships? Will you give yourself, will you, will you hear the call and, and see the life of Jesus as an invitation for you to live the selfless, laid down life? To use the key of empathy to open a doorway where God's grace and his mercy and his compassion can flow through you so that others can experience the love that you've experienced. How would your world look different through the lens of empathy. How would our church? I mean, we're celebrating together today. Think about the next two or three years if we committed ourselves to this, to God-honoring relationships, even with the people we disagree with sometimes. How would your experience of church be different? You see, the... the the part of this is like, there's coming a time when you're going to be the one who needs that connection. When your life or when your circumstances have gone awry and you pick up the phone and you want somebody just to feel with you, to connect with you, to show you grace, to be compassionate. It's coming. Will we be people that give of ourselves in compassionate response to others? to open a doorway for grace. Our response this week is just seeking the Lord. Just seeking the Lord. Here, here's the prayer. Lord, give me the courage and the conviction to love the people in my life with your selfless love. You see, this is a God thing. I have no framework for how to, to, to even begin to accomplish this apart from His love and, and grace and mercy working in and through us. He's going to help us with boundaries, with healthy relationships. But He might show us the tension that we need to live in of showing that to others. Let's pray together. Lord, give me the courage and the conviction to love the people in my life with your selfless love. Lord, help us. Help us to see the walls of self-preservation that we build so many times. Help us to build a doorway for your healing to come to others. Lord, give me the courage to love the people in my life with your selfless love. Lord, you have loved us so well, so uh, abundantly, God. 
we want to respond in that love today. Give me the courage to love the people in my life with your selfless love. And it's in your name we pray, Jesus. Thank you so much for listening today. You can email us at info at cotnaz.org for any questions about our church. When you're done listening today, please subscribe to this channel for updates and new episodes.